Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. It says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters of you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. Stand firm, it says, in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with, I think you say Eodia, and I plead with Sintaish. I don't know if that's how you say it, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then I like this. And the peace of God, which transcends, goes beyond all understanding, will guard, look at this, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My heart today is that this will help you. Every time we preach, we hope it helps you. Okay, we don't just want to tickle your ears. We don't just want you to go whoop whoop and do a fire emoji. We want the word of God to actually help you in your life. And I hope and pray that this message that I'm going to share with you now does exactly that. The context here, just to give you a bit of context, Paul, the apostle, is writing to a church in Philippi 30 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven. All of these churches have started popping up in Ephesus and in Corinth and in Thessalonica and this one also in Philippi. And this church is awesome. This church is doing really well. And Paul writes to them from prison in Rome. And... um, you know, I was going to ask anyone who's been in prison before. I won't do that. But he, Paul writes to them from his prison cell to this church in Philippi. And he basically encourages them that despite persecution that the church in Philippi is facing. In fact, most churches were facing persecution because no one was happy with how they were coming up against the authorities. Because it was a new day. And how many of you know a new day creates a new way? There was a new way of living. There was a new way of believing. There was a new way of doing things and the authorities didn't like it. And so the church was being persecuted. And they were being persecuted in Philippi, which is why Paul the Apostle, he says, hey, stand firm. He says, I encourage you to be bold. Let me pour courage into you, church in Philippi, church in Leeds. He says, when the going gets tough, the tough, when the going gets tough, he says, stand firm. Because there's a sense here, scholars believe, that the church has begun well. The church in Philippi has gone well, like it's journeyed well. It's doing some good things. God is at work. They have struggled for the gospel. They have contended for that over the past like 30 years. And now they are in a strong place. But 
the Bible, there's scholars who believe there are, are some in the church who are beginning to have second thoughts. Okay, there are some who are beginning to think, wow, this Christian life is quite hard work. I'm not sure I'm up for this persecution. It's been a long time now. And yes, we contended for the gospel. And yes, I want to stand up and stand firm. But people are beginning to count the cost of following Jesus. How many of you know there is a cost of following Jesus? And they are beginning to contemplate turning back. They are having what we would call second thoughts. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had second thoughts? about something. The problem with second thoughts is that second thoughts normally come when it's too late. (laughs) It's almost like, oh, it's too late. And then I have a second thought. Why am I doing this? Why did I say yes to this? Why did I RSVP? Yes, we will be there. And now you don't want to be there. It's too late. (laughs) We all at times have second thoughts. There are two big hatreds that I have in my life, dislikes, okay? Don't worry, these aren't you know, too insensitive. One of them is boats. <laughs> and the other one is heights. Okay. When I say boats, I'm just not a big fan of all boats. And it's probably not actually the boat. I think it's the, the rolling seas. It's the water. I had a bad experience when I was young and was sick for a long time on waves and boats. And so little boats, fishing boats, bigger ferries. I'm just not a huge fan of boats. And when it comes to heights, I don't like, I'm not, I'm okay on a plane and I'm okay on in like, Taller buildings, but I'm not good on top of mountain tops. You know, when the kids go onto the edge of my, oh my gosh, my heart sinks. And so a few years ago, when me and Abs had just been married, my dad, who, like I said, is a Kiwi, he's from New Zealand, he offered to take us all to celebrate his family history and for save, save up for many years, take all of our family to New Zealand for a couple of weeks so we could visit family and see where he went to school and all of that. And it was fantastic. So me and Abs had been married a few months when we went on this trip. When we were in Queenstown, which is in the South Island, which is like the adventure capital of New Zealand, it's an amazing place, Abs thought it would be a fantastic idea to go parasailing. Okay, now parasailing is where you connect yourself to a boat... <laughs> And you go really high. And they're basically kind of like winching you out to a point where we were 500 feet in the air on this parasail and the wind was blowing. And so it like kind of just spins you around. You kind of, you you know, and I'm there at the top. I start vomiting at the top. Abs thought it was hilarious. Started taking pictures of me vomiting for the gram, which didn't even exist in 2008 taking photos, I'm there basically trying to say, like, bring me back down. They think I'm saying, I want to go back up. It was one of the worst 40 minutes of my life. Now, I tell you that story for this reason. There is, there is, there is a, there's a reason why I tell you that story. I knew when Ab said, let's go parasailing, that parasailing was a bad idea. Because I don't like boats and I don't like heights. So when she said, it'll be fun. At that point, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to like this. But being a loving husband, six months into our marriage, I decided to say yes and go. I was correct. (laughs) It was a bad idea. It was a terrible idea. Now, here's the thing. 
if any of you ask me to go parasailing again, the answer is no. No matter how generous you are, maybe you want to take us parasailing in the Maldives. I will say to you, I will go with you to the Maldives, but I will not be parasailing in the Maldives. Because I once thought it was a bad idea, but now I know deep in my heart that it is a bad idea that I am not going to enjoy it. And so I don't no longer have to think about it because I believe it's a bad idea. Now Paul uses two words in this Philippians passage, often used in scripture as the two places of decision making in our lives, okay? When we come to making decisions, and those two places that we make decisions are in our hearts and in our minds, okay? I need to make sure I get that right because in the first of it I was going in our hearts and in our minds. Paul says our hearts and our minds, that they might be guarded, that they might be looked after. He talks about how, um, that, how they would be guarded in Christ Jesus. Now we know in the greatest commandment that Jesus gives us, what is it? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. And so there is this pattern that emerges in scripture that keeps referring to this The two places of decision making in your life, which is your heart and your mind. And I think the reason for that is because your heart and your mind becomes the greatest contributors to either your peace or your dispeace. All of us at times deal with times of dispeace and sometimes we get to enjoy the benefits of peace. I would say that the peace or the dispeace originates or is contributed by whatever is going on in your heart and whatever is going on in your mind. And so when I suffer dispeace in my life, it is often because my mind or my heart is troubled. Would you agree? Whenever I suffer dispeace, or whenever I sorry not suffered when I when I enjoy peace in my life, it is often because my mind and my heart, guess what? It is not unsettled, but it has become settled. So I can sit down in peace because my heart and my mind have become to a place of settling rather than being in a place of trouble. Maybe that's why Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, as he writes to the church in Corinth, he says, I encourage you to take captive. He talks about take every thought captive. And once we've captured it, what we need to do then is make it obedient to Christ. All of us, every day, every moment, are being bombarded with thoughts. Okay? Paul says, captivate them, capture them. And make them obedient to Christ. Now if we can capture them and make them obedient to Christ. What we're saying is we allow them in. And the reason we allow them in is because they bless our life. They encourage our life. They strengthen our life. And Paul in, in, one, in Philippians 4 he goes on to talk about whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. He says... Think about those things. 
He's like, they're good things. So if those thoughts come and you capture them and you make them obedient to Christ, he's basically saying, hey, let them in. Almost like security on a nightclub in Leeds that are standing by the door. When praiseworthy or excellence or purity comes knocking, how many of you know you can come in? (laughs) Because I want to invite those into this crazy little space of mine. Those thoughts are welcome here. But if we don't make our thoughts, if we don't capture our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ, sometimes those thoughts are unpure thoughts. Sometimes those thoughts are ungodly thoughts. What I'd call like fleshly thoughts, selfish thoughts. They could be evil thoughts. They could be jealous thoughts. How many of you know that they are the kind of thoughts that we want to capture because you're still going to have those thoughts. But we want to capture them and then the doormen on our life go, no, sorry, you're not welcome here. And turn them back. That's really what Paul is saying when he talks about keeping our thoughts and taking them captive and making them obedient to Christ. And so we either have our security on our life going, you're welcome in or you're not welcome in. The challenge comes or trouble comes or anxiety comes or dispeace comes when the doormen aren't on the door. When security has gone on the lunch break. Or when they've said you can't come in, but they find, an ex, they find another entrance in the back. <laughs> and they just, they are, they are determined, evil thoughts, ungodly thoughts. They are like determined to get into your mind system and to get into your thought system. And then once that happens, we wonder then why we struggle with times of dispeace and times of unsettling, it is because those thoughts are having a party in your mind and those thoughts shouldn't even be invited to the party. And they are not the kind of thoughts that will tidy up after themselves. They are the kind of thoughts after a party, they will cause as much mess as they can. They will cause as much dysfunction as they possibly can and cause us to be anxious and cause us to be in times of dis-peace. Your mind... And my mind struggles with thoughts. Doesn't it? Am I the only one? Are you leaving me on my own here, guys? I feel quite exposed right up here. I'm sharing vulnerable and you're going, no, not me. (laughs) I think that just must be you. I'm going to say on behalf of us in this room, all of us, and I know it's 1.56 and some of you have been asleep till 11am, but it's now time to wake up. Okay. All of us at times have to deal with, with thoughts on a daily basis and sometimes you sit down at night and you are down depressed in a bad way because of thoughts sometimes you sit down and you're happy as Larry whoever Larry is (laughs) or you are joyful because of your thoughts and sometimes you sit down at night and there's a mixture of the both why it is because all of us have to deal and struggle At times with our thinking. Now for some people it becomes a medical issue. Okay, and you need professional help and you need proper medical support. For other people, and we encourage you to get that help if that is you in the room as well. For others, it can create what I'd call unhealthy patterns. Which just affect the day to day. 
you might not be clinically depressed. You might not need to go and see a doctor at that point. You might not be at that point. But you just know there are some unhealthy patterns that have crept into your thinking. Now, here's where I'm going with this, because it's quite a long introduction. But here's where I'm going with this. Paul says in Philippians, what does he say? Guard what? Your mind and guard your hearts. Guard your mind and guard your heart. And I'm like, what's the heart got to do with it? <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, like my mind is the problem. <laughs> this here, that's the issue. But Paul is saying, guard your heart and guard your mind. But then you read Romans chapter 10. And look what it says in Romans chapter 10, reading from verse 9. Paul, who writes to the church, he says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and what? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. If you just go back, please, to the other food. For it is with your heart. Notice this. This is, this is not me speaking. This is scripture on a massive screen. Okay? Which means it's definitely true. For it is with your Come on, 1245. It is with your The reason I'm kind of doing, this is what teachers would do in school. I know you're not at school, but the more you can read it, recite it, helps you remember it. That's why we're not just trying to tickle your ears today and you go away going, well, that was a good message. We want you to remember stuff so that when life gets a little bit tricky, oh, I remember these things. For it is with your heart that you believe. And are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We think in our mind and we believe in our heart. We think in our mind and we believe in our heart. This, is, this message really is about mind and heart. Mind and heart. Thoughts and beliefs. Thoughts and beliefs. You see, here's the truth. You can think stuff that you don't believe. You can think stuff that you don't believe. Let me explain it to you. You think God heals, but you don't believe it. You think God provides, but you don't believe it. You think Christ died for you, but you don't believe it. You think God loves you, but you don't believe it. You think you're saved but you're not sure if you actually believe it. And what you begin to realise is thinking in God doesn't save you, but believing in your heart does. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't say would be thinking in him or think about him. No, salvation is a heart issue. Because belief is found in the heart. So my mind doesn't take me to heaven, but my heart does. And one of the problems, I think, with Christianity sometimes is that far too much of our faith remains in our mind and stays in the process of the mind. Now, that's not necessarily about always a bad thing because it's good to be intelligent. It's good to learn. It's good to process with your mind. Clearly, Paul talks about the mind the power of the mind, the importance of the mind. We'll come to it a little bit more in a moment. But sometimes everything stays in the mind, but sometimes it needs to move from the mind and go into the heart. 
Because the mind is where you think, but the heart is where you believe. Because Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but what be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the reason Paul says that, we often stop there at that scripture and go, I love that scripture, I'm going to put it on my wall. I'm not going to conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And you're basically saying, if I can transform my mind, everything's going to be fine. Like everything's going to be good. But what we fail to see is Romans 12, the next bit after it says, then. How many of you know then means if you do the first, what comes next? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. It's almost like Paul is saying, the thoughts come into the mind. You transform them in that place. And then once you're in that place, it begins to sink into a belief system in your heart. And it is your heart, ultimately, that determines what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. You see, what you think is important because it shapes what you do. But what you believe is important because it shapes where you go. What you think shapes what you do. But what you believe shapes where you go with your life. I was at university once. I was at Leeds Beckett, which I shared in the first service, is the number one university in Leeds. Okay. Closely followed in fourth place by Leeds University. The university, you know, after a couple of sixth form colleges and a couple of other places. So I was at uni, and I was at uni like 20 years ago, a long time ago, okay? It makes me feel really old, but I loved uni. And how many of you, how many of you enjoyed Freshers' Week? <laughs> it's not a swear word, Freshers' Week. You can enjoy Freshers' Week, it's okay. If you don't know what Freshers' Week is, Freshers' Week is where students come from everywhere, all around, from all around the country, and they basically get fresh, what I mean by that is they enjoy partying, they get to meet new people, but a lot of it involves going to places or meeting new people or a lot of hook people hook up with each other. It's, it's kind of part and parcel, let's be honest, of Freshers' Week at university. Now, there were times in my first few weeks and months at university, situations where I find myself in that aren't, weren't, appropriate for me to be in or were not godly environments for me to be in okay if my mum and dad were with me at the time they'd be like what are you doing here (laughs) out (laughs) that's always a good measure (laughs) or close friends they'd have been like you know and 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 I'm sure you know all of us have kind of dealt with those things in the past temptations of this place or that place or him or her or opportunities, especially when you're 18, 19 and boom, you, you've got money in your bank and you've got no one to get home to because your parents aren't there and like, wow, you can just do what you want. And before you know it, you find yourself and you can find yourself in compromising situations and you can find yourself in places. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I found myself sometimes in situations that I found myself in and there were times when what I thought wasn't enough. It was too weak. Okay? There were times when what I thought about stuff wasn't enough. It was too weak. 
What saved me in those moments was what I believed. What saved me in those moments was what I believed. I remember one time finding myself in a place and it was not the right place. And I kind of, my thoughts were like, mm, but this is, you know, thoughts are like choices and going, you know, what, what is all this? This is all new. And then, and then suddenly I'm like, this is not right. I should not be here. And I remember getting up, running as fast as I could back to my halls of residence, speaking in tongues at the top of my voice. Hey, don't clap. I shouldn't have been in there in the first place. Just being very honest with you. Ran, speaking in tongues. And I'll tell you why I tell you that story. My mind was weighing up the pros and cons. Mm, What happens if? What could that be like? What opportunity, what experience is here or there? And you're like, your mind is kind of, do you know what I mean? Like playing games going, well, I'm not sure this is right. I think it'd be fine. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, and even in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, you know, that's how the devil tempts Eve ultimately. He says, did God really say? And Eve's going, oh, maybe he didn't. I think he did, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't mean this tree. Maybe he didn't mean, you know, like, how, how far is too far? <laughs> how bad is bad? You know, kind of just, this is fine, surely. And your mind is weighing up the pros and cons. My heart was saying, get out of here. My heart was saying, get out of here. And some of you resonate with what I'm saying. Because some of you know your heart of hearts is going, no, no, no. But your mind is going, hmm, (laughs) options. I don't just want to think stuff, I want to believe stuff. I don't just want our church to think stuff, I want our church to believe stuff. Sometimes we go, yeah, that's what we think as a church. I don't think that's enough. What do we believe as a church? Yeah, well, that's what we think. That's what we think about that. Well, that's cool. But what do we actually believe? And the reason I say that is because thinking can change overnight. You have second thoughts. <laughs> thinking can easily change overnight. It's funny sometimes you'll you know, speak to a guy and he'll be like, yeah, I think I, re- I think I really like that girl. Or you speak to a girl and she'll be like, yeah, I think I really like that guy. Like you've just been to Pizza Hut. No one ever goes to Pizza Hut. No, it's not. You, know, it's not. you, go, you, you took Emily to Burger King, didn't you? On yours, but splash the cash. So you're in Pizza Hut and you're going, I think I really like him. I think I really like her. You go to bed, sleep on it. Wake up in the morning. Hey, do you still like that? I don't think I like them anymore. Hold on, like it's been 10 hours How can you go from thinking you like them to no longer thinking you like them? I don't just think I love my wife of 15 years. I believe I love my wife of 15 years. Now, there was a time, there was a time when I thought I liked her. But over time, those thoughts have been tested. And when your thoughts are tested... They can then become beliefs. 
And so I don't think Abs is kind. I believe she is kind. Why? Because her kindness has been tested. I don't think Abs is patient. I believe she is patient. Why? Because her patience has been (laughs) tested. It's not just something I think. It is what I believe. Now, that doesn't make me some like heart robot who just has, you know, unbelievable belief in heart. No, I still have thoughts. I still think I fancy her, think I like her, think I'm attracted to her. Those thoughts, they are good thoughts, (laughs) still go through your mind. But those thoughts have now become beliefs. So now in sickness and in health, if Abs is sick for the day and is in bed, or if she is not so kind to me one day, or if she's not so patient to me one day, I don't think, well, my relationship with her is over. I don't think, well, now that is happening, I'm going to have to leave her or go and find a new wife because my thinking has become a belief in my heart. And so... The sickness and in health vow is not just how I think on a daily basis. Sickness and in health basically saying this is a belief. I am believing myself to her. This is not just a mind connection. This is a heart connection. That's why you share a vow with each other. (laughs) This is making sense. It's no longer a mind thing, but it becomes a heart thing. Doesn't mean my mind is unemployed. It just means my mind now serves the beliefs in my heart. Rather than my beliefs changing every day. No, my beliefs can't change over day. My thinking can change overnight. And my beliefs can change over time. But very few people's beliefs change overnight. And beliefs change when your thinking is tested. Guard your heart and guard your mind. In Mark 9, when Jesus talks about, he talks about, you know, there's a man who he says, do you really believe I can do this? And Jesus says, and the man goes, yes, I do believe. And he goes, nothing is impossible for those who believe. He's basically saying, this, is, this isn't, can't be just something you think I can do. This has got to come from the gut of who you are. This has got, your faith has got to come from the gut of your actual belief. Because what thinking will do, thinking will give you choices and choices aren't always a good thing. But what believing gives you is conviction. Believing gives you conviction. And Paul is saying to the churches throughout the New Testament, Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi and Ephesus, he's saying, guys, we all have a multitude of choices. You can go left, right, you can go up, you can go down, you can go forward, you can go backward. You can basically choose to live how you want to live. And he says you can get pulled from here and you can get pulled from there. And you need your mind to make the right choices. And so I encourage you, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ and think on those things. But I think really what he's saying is if you want to stand firm, you've got to have a conviction of belief in your heart because when the persecutors come what you think isn't going to stand the test when they come with a sword what you think about your faith isn't going to be enough it has got to be a heart thing because if someone comes and I think I like abs but then someone comes with another better opportunity hey I might think I no longer like abs and we'll go with a better opportunity but because I believe in my heart that I love my wife 
even if another opportunity comes my way, guess what? I stand firm in my relationship because there is a belief in my heart. We think and we believe. Thinking changes when it gets tough. Those who are involved in cryptocurrency or stocks or shares, man, this is the new best thing. And they're all into it. They tell everyone about it. Then they have a dodgy few days. I don't think I'm into crypto anymore. They've changed because they never believed in it in the first place. You have a new job. You have a dodgy few days. Thinking changes. Your church, you're enjoying it. You're worshiping your sermon. You've got friends and there's a few dodgy Sundays, a few dodgy days. And before you know it, your thinking changes. You go, yeah, I'm not sure. Actually, it's the church for me. And what happens is your mind can easily, like James 1.8 says, become double-minded. And the Bible says a double-minded man becomes unstable in all that they do. Not just a few things. Look what it says. Unstable in everything. James is saying it's the testing and the trials that rock your thinking. But thinking can come, become beliefs after it has been tested. That is why on leadership, Paul the Apostle is clear. He's like, in Timothy, leaders, you need to be tested over time. And the reason he says that is because lots of people are going, well, I'll lead. I'll do it. Bring it on. If that means I get the opportunity to lead people, I'll do it. And Paul is saying, we can't just have anyone who wants to be a leader be a leader. We need leaders who have a conviction and a belief in their heart that they are called to this, that they stand firm, which is why the Bible says leaders can't be going off and doing things that they can't be going off here, can't be married here, married there, and drunk there and drunk there and doing all whatever they want. No, because leaders need to have a conviction and a belief in their heart if they are going to stand firm. Because in this church, there is a whole lot of thinking about different things. And if we simply surrender to everyone's thoughts, one moment we're here, the next moment we're there, then we're there, then we're back there. Now we believe, now we think this, now we think that. No, Paul is saying, if you want to be a leader, especially in a church setting, you've got to lead from the conviction in your heart. Because if we don't have a conviction and a belief in our heart, our thinking can quickly become double-minded if we are not always taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. I don't just want to think I'm called to this. I want to believe that I am. And there might be times when my belief gets shaken a little bit. There might be times when I begin to doubt myself a little bit. There might be times when I think, man, could be better to do something else those thoughts do come to me but ultimately sometimes there's a belief in my heart that I know I think God has graced me called me and gifted me to do this I don't just think worship is good I believe it is I don't just think giving financially into the house of God is good I believe it is I don't just think the word transforms lives I believe it does because it has been tested in my life and now it is a core belief in my heart. And so thoughts might come my way and there might be a whole lot of senses that come my way. I see things and go, wow, that's difficult. That's going to be pressure. That's going to be difficult. And my thinking could easily bow down to that. But there is a conviction in my heart that says, even if that happens, I still believe. That is why when the guys are in the fiery furnace... They could think, man, this is not going to end well. 
but there's a belief in their heart that they know if God is for us, then who can be against us? And Paul the Apostle, who probably had struggles with his mind, He was a mind guy, very smart, very intelligent guy, would have understood theology and the scriptures and all of those things. He needed to be knocked off his horse and he needed to have an encounter with God. He needed to be taken away and spend weeks as God did some work on his heart. Because if he was going to lead the church in the New Testament, it needed a conviction and a belief in his heart. And so even when my mind is struggling, why my mind sometimes struggles to understand why, what, how, my mind sometimes struggles all over the place to believe, not to believe, but to think on why is this happening in the Middle East and why, would, why do I feel like God would abandon them over there? Why has God not come through here? My thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, all of those things come my way, but there is something in my heart that still believes. And so I live by faith and not by sight. Therefore, our anxiety or our dispeace won't be solved by positive thinking. And I'm sure there's aspects to positive thinking, which is good. I'm sure some people do it, you know, in mornings and they wake up and they recite confessions with a candle on, with some music. And those aspects of meditation that even non-believers do, they're they're not bad things. I'm sure they, they can be good things. But here's what I'm trying to say. I don't think positive thinking ultimately will solve your anxiety or your dispeace. But as I, Proverbs 3 puts it, trust in the Lord with all of my, trust in the Lord with all of my heart because my heart is where I believe. As I do that, maybe that's when I can do what Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Whatever's going on in my mind, the belief in my heart can keep us standing firm in the gospel and the good news of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to close this service. Just going to invite the band and the singers up. We're going to be done in just a moment. But every eye closed in here right now. If you are right now struggling with maybe your thinking or struggling with your believing, would you just do something? I think it's sometimes good just to respond no one's looking around I'm not going to call you forward but right where you just raise your hand it's sometimes good for you just to acknowledge yourself first service there was tons of people open enough to go yeah this is a struggle in my life right now Jesus I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you help every hand raised help us in our thinking God help our heart as we believe from that place Help us to stand firm. That we won't be so easily swayed, that we won't be so double-minded. Help us stand firm. Holy Spirit, we pray every hand in raised in Jesus.